Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. Okay, we're going to talk about anger today, people. If you have a high justice quotient in your life, you care about justice, can I get you to stand up? Stand up if you're a justice-minded person. God bless you. Look at these people. Friends, justice is the good anger of God. You can sit down because these same people are the ones who kill people. Here's, I'll say it better. I'll say it better, people. <laughs> Justice is an emotion that God's given every single person. It's called anger. It's a neutral emotion. And anger is when you see something that's not right, and the God part of you says, I got to fix this. I got to do something about it. And the good side of, of anger is that charities are started. People do good things because they're motivated to correct the problem something that's not right. The bad part is that if you don't have a really good relationship with God, if you're not good at hearing his voice, you're probably very good at hearing Satan's voice. And Satan tells people, like he has in Canada in the past, a young Arminian gentleman three summers ago, hated ladies, drove his vehicle down Young Street, killed, what was it, 11 people trying to fix a wrong, and this is his idea of fixing a wrong. Terrible. People lost their lives. Last year in London, Ontario, a young man, churchgoer, somehow doesn't like Muslim people and runs over a family, kills them. Anger is one of these things that goes both ways. It's, it's an incredible tool for good, but it also has the potential of getting out of hand. And I just wanted to highlight one real quick story. So Lenton, who was playing guitar right over here, Lenton's sitting where? Over there by the post. See Lenton? Wave your hand, Lenton. Right over there. Don't know if you can see him. Anyways, Lenton came to me maybe three, four years ago and said that a friend of his had been incarcerated and the children were really struggling with shame issues. And what could we do about it? What could our church do to help children of incarcerated men? And if you've been a part of our church for a few years, you'll know that the last few Christmases, we've taken an offering, and I think it was two years ago, three years ago, because of Lenten's um, God provoking him to do something right. We, we bought 500 gifts for kids who live in Toronto whose dads are incarcerated. That's the good justice, friends. Yep. Get a God idea. Do something about it. The bad idea is a terrible idea because Satan gets involved and all of a sudden, the, the emotion that God gives gets turned for terrible, terrible consequences. I come from a long line, unintended, because it's on my dad's side of angry people. My grandpa on my dad's side grew up in Scotland and in the First World War was in a Scottish regiment and was in, the, uh, in France when they were having the the trenches and back and forth and back and forth. He got uh, more, almost mortally injured. He was left for dead, survived, came to Canada afterwards and was diagnosed with what they called shell shock back then. 
And today it's called post-traumatic stress disorder. And I don't know if it was my grandpa's heritage before him, but he began to have fits of rage and anger. And I can remember as a little kid, we moved back to Canada from Malawi, Africa. I grew up in Africa. We moved back to Canada when I was five, six years of age. And I was terrified of my grandpa because you never knew when a fit, fits of rage would rise up in him. He'd be very angry and you just didn't want to be around him. And sadly, my dad became like that. And even sadder, I became like that. Probably I became like that because inadvertently, I would have said as a younger kid, I'm never ever gonna be like my grandpa. And a verse in the Bible that Jesus said, basically says never put the word never in a statement of something that you're judging in a negative way. Because when we put the word never in a, in a statement, we're making a vow. And now Satan has the right to manage us and get us to do things that we don't want to do because we've broken a rule where Jesus said, let your yeses be yeses, your noes noes. Anything more than that is of the enemy, the Bible says, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at a passage later where Paul basically says the same thing in Ephesians. And he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and give Satan a foothold. We're going to look at that verse. When you and I are angry and don't deal with the, the heart issue, the, the, uh, the thing that triggers us, when we don't deal with it, it just stays with us. And when we don't deal with it, we've added fertilizer. And it's going to grow and grow and grow. And sooner or later, it's going to come out in a very bad place. So anger is one of those things, friends, that almost every single person struggles with. And so here's the good news. At the end, we're going to have a ministry time for everybody. Not going to have you stand up and be singled out because I think most people would be standing. So we'll just stay in our seats and go through a ministry time this morning. Yep. I want to draw your attention to a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 25. It's going to be on the screen. It's the story of David, who is about to become the king of Israel. He's not yet the king. And there's three years in his life before he becomes the king where he's running from his father-in-law, Saul, who is the king. And Saul's trying to kill him because Saul doesn't want his son-in-law to be the next king. Saul wants his son to be the next king. And in those years of running, there's a story. Part of where David hid as he's trying to hide from Saul was the very southwest part of Israel, down towards the Gulf of Aqaba, towards Saudi Arabia. It's desolate. When you're on our tour in Israel, we're going to have a, a drive down into that area. We're going to visit Masada. We're going to visit the Dead Sea. We're going to float in the Dead Sea. And you'll see it's desolate. The only people that live there today are Bedouin. And those are the people that were there back when David was there as well. And we're going to read a story right now about how David meets one of these People. So I'm reading from the New International, 1 Samuel 25. Now Samuel died and all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved to the wilderness of Maon. There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep, 1.2 million Canadian dollars. He had 1,000 goats, $800,000 worth of, of goats. And it was sheep shearing time. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife Abigail was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all of his dealings. 
When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent 10 of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you and your family and everything that you own. I'm told that it's sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us? Inference, like we were kind to your guys. We were unofficial security, making sure that no raiders, no bandits were stealing your sheep, harming your shepherds. We were kind to you. Would you be kind to us since we've come at a time of celebration? Please share your provisions that you might have on hand with us and with your friend David. Interesting that David saw himself as a friend of this man. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered at this, to the young man. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I slaughtered for my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Friends, look at the first words of David as he hears this answer. David's first words are, get your swords. An injustice has just taken place. And is David a worshiper, a man after God's heart, listening to God right now? Nope. His issues are going to rise up and his anger is going to rise up, and it's get your swords, was David's reply, and he's strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David, and 200 remained to guard their equipment. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail, the wife, and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men, David's men, have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do, for there is going to be trouble for your master, for our master and his whole family. Nabal is so ill-tempered that no one can ever talk to him. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you shortly. Question for you. Why did a servant in the middle of nowhere and why did a young 16, 17-year-old wife, probably the third or fourth wife, why did these two young people living in the middle of nowhere assume that trouble was coming? The answer is, sadly, David already has a reputation of being a hothead, of anger. It's already out there. And in the middle of the desert, people know that you don't cross with David. That's his reputation. And they're right. And friends, here's David. He's, he's a worship leader for the nation of Israel. He's written the most famous psalm at that time, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't know the melody line, but it's a hit song. Everyone knows David wrote that, and he has anger issues. So can you be a godly person and have anger issues? 
Everyone go like this. Yep. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And in this passage, there's two negatives that happen. And the first one is, is that David is, um, there's an injustice that happens. And David is triggered by this injustice. He's been kind to Nabal or Nabal, and he doesn't get a reciprocation of kindness. He calls him friend, and it's angry words that are back. And this just stirs David. And instead of having a positive response, he has a very negative response. Get your, sword, get your swords. In fact, and we don't know the timeline of how far David is away. It could be he's several hours away. So let's say he's three hours away. Those 10 guys, they go, they come back. Three hours later, they say, David, you know, like we got insulted and we got nothing. We got no food. And here's what he said about you. And David goes, let's get our swords. Three hours have passed. Now that's three hours to get to where Nabal is again. Bible says that just before he gets there with an entourage, an army of 400 men. Remember, friends, in this 400 are the 30 mighty men of valor. Guys that can kill a thousand people by themselves. This is the first Avengers team. David's got them all on his side. Can you imagine that? Iron Man as one of your guys. Captain America's. Anyways, David's got these. He's got killers in his entourage. And the Bible says later in, in, in the passage that just before they get there, David's at the front of the, of the march and he turns around. And he looks over his shoulder and goes, guys, the plan's changed. Instead of killing him, we're wiping everyone out. David's anger is not diminishing, it's getting worse as time's going on. And friends, this is the reality, and this is why the Bible says to don't let the sun go down on your anger. It says this in the scriptures that when we do, when we delay dealing with our issue, that we give Satan the foothold. Ephesians chapter 5, we give Satan the foothold. The Greek word for foothold here, friends, is the word topos, and the English word is topography. When you and I don't deal with the issue, and, and it's like we got until we go to bed to deal with it. Unless you get a night job, you got until you go to bed, until you go to sleep, to deal with your anger. And if you don't do that, whether you realize it or not, you've said, welcome demons, welcome demonic spirits to mess me up. Did you know you were doing that by not dealing with anger right away? No. Well, we are. So why is it that some of the terrible things that take place in our world take place? It's because people are demonized. These young men that I was referring to earlier, I'm quite sure, even though one was a churchgoer, messed up by demonic spirits that are whispering terrible things, terrible crimes to do against other people who are, just happen to look like someone, happen to be like someone, whatever the issues are. Uh, sadly, some of the, the shootings that take place in North America is someone's been fired from a job and they feel that there's injustice. And what do they do? Two weeks later, they, they buy a gun and they go back to work, kill people. As time goes on, Satan is messing with us over and over and over again. In this passage, the second thing that shows up is that an insult is given to David about his identity. So the, the, two, pass, the two things in this passage that are creating problem for David is, first of all, an injustice, a perceived injustice, and number two, an identity challenge. David sees this man as his friend and says so. You're my friend. 
This guy hurls insults at David and says, we know who your daddy is. And the implication is, we don't know who your mom is. And if you've read any of this, the, the commentary here, it's probable that David is an illegitimate child. Now, if you've never heard that before, let me just fill in the blanks a little bit. When Samuel comes to anoint David as the king, and he says to Jesse, his dad, bring all your sons, because we're going to have a party, and everyone comes except David. Why isn't David invited? Potentially because he's illegitimate. When David has his affair with Bathsheba, and he finally turns back to God after a season, he writes Psalm 51, and you can read this in Psalm 51. He says, I was conceived in sin. He gives a little hint that perhaps his mom and dad had an affair or something was going on. Because when mom and dad have sex to have a child, that's not sin. That's a good thing. But he's saying, no, no, I was conceived in sin. So it's very possible that it's out there. And here this angry man, Nabal, curses him and hints, you're illegitimate. And David, who's struggling with identity issues, this is the bottom line for him. This is the last straw. And it tips him over the edge. And now he's about to kill a man and his wives and children and the servants that he has because David has issues. So friends, here's the good news. We can deal with our, with our heart and the stuff that's inside us. We can deal with these things so that we're not going to be having these outbursts later on. Just a little story. I have a, uh, an acquaintance who's passed away. And probably, well, a number of years ago at one of our conferences, I actually was talking about anger. I was alluding to that, telling some of my stories. And he asked me for prayer at the end. And I took him through what we call listening prayer, which we're going to do right now. And in a moment, I'll put the whole thing on the screen so you can see what we're going to pray. And then we're going to go through that prayer. So we're sitting down right over here, where Gord is. And I said, ask the Holy Spirit for a memory of when anger really, you, you really felt angry. And so my friend goes, oh my goodness, I remember this. He said, I was about eight or nine. And he's telling me this picture that he's got, that he got beat up after school. He's living in Glasgow, Scotland at the time. Got beat up after school. Came home, all the way coming home, and he's bruised, he's crying, and he goes, my dad, he's going he's gonna to go out and find these kids. My dad's going to take care of this. My dad's going to beat up these kids real good. And when he gets home, his dad's at the table reading a newspaper, and uh, the dad puts the newspaper down, what happened to you? I got beat up after school. And his dad put the newspaper back up. You probably deserved it. And this little guy made a conscious decision that day because Satan spoke to him and said, nobody cares about you. You need to fight for yourself. You need to find vengeance for yourself all the time. He became a very angry person. And he, the issue now that's presented himself is he just gotten fired like for the fourth time for yelling at his boss about what he saw as an injustice in the workplace. And instead of saying it nicely, kindly, all of the stuff, and he's a follower of Jesus, all of his stuff is coming up and he's saying it wrong. He's saying it harshly and he gets fired. And he's had a revelation as I'm talking, telling my story 
that, oh my goodness, I got stuff in me that's ruining my life. It's causing economic hardship for our family that I keep getting fired. I got to start over again. He was an engineer. So we prayed through and I said, close your eyes. Can you remember that story? Yes. And he can picture himself in that story. And I said, look around for Jesus. And he goes, oh, I can see Jesus. I can see him. He's got his eyes closed. He's picturing it. The memory's coming to him. Well, what's Jesus doing? And my friend just began to sob. I don't know what's going on. He's telling me this picture that he's seeing. And in the picture, Jesus has come to him, hugged him, put some bandages on him, put some ointment on him. And then what put him over the edge was Jesus went to his dad and gave him a big hug and loved, loved his dad. And he's, my friend is weeping. He's telling me what's going on. And I said, what's Jesus saying to do? And it's like, well, I need to forgive my dad. And so that's what, that's what he did. He repented of his anger, his outbursts. And friends, he got free. I did this in the morning meeting. And one of the elderly men, if I can say it that, he, he's older than me, came to me in the lobby at the end of the first meeting, weeping. He got a breakthrough this morning for his anger issues. And he has the same story. He's a little kid. Mom and dad weren't there to do the right thing, didn't know how to do the right thing. And somehow he just inherited anger from his mom and dad. And he's an anger man. And today got some, got some healing. So we're going to do that for everyone. Is that all right? Right now. So guys, up, guys or girls upstairs, can you put the three... First three things. So friends, this is what we're going to do. Just so you, you know what we're going to do. Number one, we're going to ask the Lord to give us a memory of when we had a bad anger situation happen to us. So this is a real memory for you. You're going to know it. I'm not going to know it. Number two, we're going to remember what the emotions were like. What were we feeling? What were the negative things that were going on? Number three, we're going to talk to Jesus and say, Satan whispered a lie to me at that point. I'm rejected. I'm useless. I'm no good. We're going to ask Jesus to remind us of the lie. Then number four, we're going to say, Jesus, where are you in this picture? We're going to look for him. And some of you may see him physically in the picture. And some of you may know he's, he's right behind me. You may not see him, but he's right there. Number five, what's the truth? Satan said this. What's the truth? Number six, whatever Jesus says to do, we're going to forgive our dad. We're going to forgive our boss. We're going to forgive our ex-husband. We're going to, why was I picking on men there? Anyways, we're going to pick, just forgive. And number seven, oh, sorry, that's what we're going to do. Number seven, whatever the Lord says to do, we're going to do that. Would that be all right? So stay in your seats, friends. I'd like you to close your eyes now. All of those uh, you can get afterwards. Send me an email if you want the notes. So Holy Spirit, we're welcoming you right now. And we're going to be honest with you, Holy Spirit. Anger, bad anger, flares in my life way too often. Way too often. I say things that I shouldn't say. I do things I shouldn't do. Jesus, I need your help. Paul says that I need to deal with my anger issues right away, not that, not that them grow not let Satan get involved. So forgive me for not dealing with my stuff. But Jesus, here I am right now. I'd like to deal with some of my stuff right here, right now. How about you just say that with me? 
some of my stuff right here, right now. Ask Jesus for a memory of when injustice took place and you had a negative, angry response. Just keep your eyes closed, friends, during this whole time. Ask Jesus for a memory. When was there an injustice and you responded in a negative way? Hands up if you got one of those memories. Just hand up real, up and down real quick. Okay. Could If you don't have some, one from a child, just go to the one today driving in. <laughs> Last week. And once you've had that, what are the emotions that you're feeling when that was taking place? You can picture that, that memory. Like my friend, it was like rejection. That was his big word. Nobody's there for me. What's the feeling? And now ask Jesus, what was Satan's lie? What was Satan's lie? I'm on my own. Nobody there for me. Got to fight your own battles. Interesting that we sang that song today. That we can feel overwhelmed, but turns out God's all around us. He's surrounding us. I want you to imagine and look for Jesus in that memory. So see yourself as if you're looking down on the house, looking down on the coffee shop, wherever it was that was taking place. Look around for Jesus. Just say, Jesus, show me where you were. Because friends, the truth is he's always with us. Even when we don't know he's with us, he's always with us. And when you see Jesus or sense Jesus, just let the movie play. What's Jesus wanting to say to you? What is he wanting to do? Is he wanting to give you a hug? Now talk to Jesus and say, Jesus said, dot, dot, dot. What's the truth? And let Jesus speak to you in that vision. In that memory, let Jesus talk to you. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, truth sets us free. So as we hear Jesus' words, they're going to be life. They're going to counteract those very things that Satan said that were lies. And this is where transformation takes place right here when we hear Jesus speaking to us. Now, as a result of what Jesus has said, is there someone you need to forgive? Who was the, the main villain in your story? A parent, neighbor, a boss, friend? Forgive them. As it turned out, did you make a vow? Did you say, I'm never going to be like you? You always treated me like this. Did you use those words, never or always? And if you did, just say, Father, forgive me of making a vow. My intent was good to protect myself, but it turns out I didn't do that at all. I made myself more vulnerable by making a vow and judging my parents, judging my boss, whoever that villain was. Forgive me. 
Okay, friends, it's time for everyone to stand now. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray two things. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and do deeper things in your heart, in your life. And we're going to pray for all the demonic attachments to be broken off of you right now. So just put your hands out in front of you. If you're a newcomer to our church, friends, welcome to church. We try to be real. We try, our pastors try to be very vulnerable in terms of the negatives, but also the solutions. And it's just like a little kid in kindergarten and the teacher says, what's a furry animal that runs around and has a big bushy tail? And every kid knows that it's a squirrel, but they think it's the right answer should be Jesus. Jesus is the right answer, friends, all the time. In every situation, Jesus. So let's say this together, Jesus. Just say his name, Jesus. I need some help today. And just begin to feel the Holy Spirit coming on you. Begin to feel the love of God for you. His compassion for you. Sense that God's for you. He's not against you. His desire is that all the junk that's come against you would just lift off so that you could be more like him, represent him well. And so Holy Spirit, we're saying, come and heal our hearts today. Again, on this topic, heal our hearts on this topic. And Father God, we take authority that you've given to us. You've given us the privilege of being able to break curses, break the power of the demonic. And so, Spirit of God, we say, would you come? Bible says that, that the anointing, the power of God, breaks heavy yokes and chains and bondages. And I just break all that stuff off of you. If you've got a history of angry parents or if you're an angry person yourself, got a history of turmoil in your life, we, we sever that right now in Jesus' name. And if you've had that kind of history, I'd like you to just to snap your fingers over yourself and think, I'm snap breaking it from my dad, breaking it from my mom, from my grandpa, my boss, my best friends, however you can think of. I'm just breaking that power right now. All the demonic soul ties, all the demonic connection places, I'm breaking those things off my life. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, I don't want this anymore. I'm choosing to live we sang the song again, the last song. We sang it last week too. The last song, holy, 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 is how it finishes. That's God's standard. I choose to be holy. I want to be led by the Spirit. How about you say that with me? I want to be led by the Spirit. Don't want to be led by the demonic. Say, Jesus, come, heal my heart. Make me more like you today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.